Hello and welcome to the Wild Cornwall podcast. In today's episode, we'll be talking about Cornwall Wildlife Trust's plans to raise issues about nature and climate during the up-and-coming general election. We need a government that is going to take nature and climate issues seriously. That's why this election is so important. From a nature and climate point of view, this is the most important election of our lifetimes. We'll hear from Cheryl Marriott about why this is such a crucial election, what we're calling for, and how we'd like supporters to get involved in speaking up so that nature and climate issues are raised higher on our political leaders' priority lists. Cheryl, welcome to the Wild Cornwall podcast. Great to have you on the show today. Thanks, Sam. Exciting. Um, So today we're talking about the upcoming general election. And what if we could just start by you telling us about what your role with Cornwall Wildlife Trust is and where campaigning fits into that? So I've been at the Trust 19 years uh, in various roles, but I'm currently the Director of Nature and People. We've just rearranged under our new strategy and I have got oversight of the the part of the strategy which is encouraging more people to take more action for wildlife, um, particularly in, in communities, and also our campaigning and advocacy um, part of the strategy as well. Great. So we don't know when the general election is going to be, um, but what we do know is that it's really, really important for nature and climate. Why is this election so vital? It's the timing of this election. We, we've seen in State of Nature reports, including the Cornwall State of Nature report, that, that species are in decline. Um, we've got a real window of opportunity between now and 2030 to try and, and bend that curve back up. Um, we've got What's different now, because I can remember the 2010 targets and the 2020 targets, what's different now, we've got global agreement that we need to be um, sparing 30% of of land and seas for nature. Um, So we've got international targets, we've got national targets and we've got Cornwall targets. The next government is going to be in power for most of the time between now and 2030. So we need a government that is going to take nature and climate issues seriously. That's why this election is so important. From a nature and climate point of view, this is the most important election of our lifetimes. So those decisions taken really could make all the difference. Yes. And if we get it wrong now, then we'll get nowhere near the 2030 targets. Okay. Some people listening to this show might think, hang on, we're, we're a wildlife charity. What are we doing getting involved in politics like this? Is this something we're allowed to do? Is this appropriate? The Charity Commission is very clear on this and the answer is yes. If the the work you're doing is um, related to your charitable purposes. So politics is very important in nature conservation. There's there's the straight nature policies, all the transport policies, housing, fishing, food and farming. There's so many areas of policy that have an impact on nature. So it's definitely relevant to our work. So that's the first test. The second test is about us as a charity, we have to remain politically independent. So we can't favour any one party or individual. So as long as we get that right, then absolutely we can jump in with both feet. Great. And let's just think about our members. Cornwall Wildlife Trust has got over 17,000 members. Do we know anything about what their politics are and, and how they would be interested in voting? 
We do know because our umbrella body, the Wildlife Trust, has done a great big nature survey and they went out to Wildlife Trust supporters and members from across the country asking about their voting habits. From So in the 2019 general election, it was actually a, quite an even split between the main parties um, amongst our members and supporters. So we are a very politically diverse organisation. And is there a chance that uh, there are members of Cornwall Wildlife Trust out there who don't yet know how they're going to vote at the next election? And, and do we know what factors they'll be considering? We've asked about people changing their vote and there's a significant proportion of Wildlife Trust supporters who are definitely going to change the way they vote. And of them... A, a, a number of them are floating voters and we've got twice as many floating voters amongst our supporters than the general population so it they're a considered bunch our right. members they're they're not just deciding on their ideology they are waiting to see what the parties have got to say of course then we ask them what are their priorities for the next government and nearly 90 percent of them said that the environment is the top priority for them above the NHS and economy although they were both in the top three so what this is why this is important for the politicians is many wildlife trust supporters who are waiting to hear what the parties have got to say about the environmental policies and if they like what they hear there's votes in it right so actually there's votes to play for 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 politicians absolutely and that is what it's all about at this point so what we're trying to do then is is show politicians that people out there really care about nature and climate. Yes, we don't always see nature and climate as a big issue in a general election. Yeah, There's a little bit more of it in 2019 than previous years, but not enough. This year we're going big on it on the election for that very reason, to try and get nature and climate up the agenda. The other, the other thing about the way our members vote and being quite politically diverse, we're in a time of culture wars and, and around the world, um, more um, popularist politics. People are very keen to split, to divide us and say it's either this way or it's that way and ignore all the nuance in the middle. I think it's quite nice thinking about our membership. And it's not just us, it's other ENGOs, environmental non-government organisations, that even where we're voting differently to each other we've got something in common which is that we care for the environment and nature and that's that's just a nice thought I think in this world of divisions we're perhaps not all as far apart as people are trying to make us think we are absolutely so what what um, issues are we uniting around in in terms of what we're calling on the government to to do you know what what, what promises are we asking candidates to make? So we've got five broad areas of, of asks of things that are important to us and our members and we've tested these on some of our members as well to check that we're we're thinking along the same lines. The big one, I mean this could be all of them really but we're, we're talking about bringing back the UK's lost wildlife. So that's number one. Number one um, and this is about all government departments taking responsibility, not just saying, oh, DEFRA will deal with it, because that's not going to do it. We need cr cross-government commitment um, to protect and restore 30% of land and seas by 2030. We know from the State of Nature reports that everything is going down, 
so we we've just got to stop messing about with this we need bigger and bolder action and mm-hmm. we need it quickly otherwise species declines are going to turn into extinctions so it's time for government really to grasp the nettle and get on with it and do do a, a better job so that's looking after our best sites so we've got to protect the best sites on land and sea yep. and and restore the rest um, so that means investing in our sites of special scientific in, uh, interest. We've got county wildlife sites, um, 10% of Cornwall. That, that's non-statutory protection. So they just are out there with no one really paying them enough attention. So we'd like to see more investment in those. Um, and of course, we will need to stop damaging our marine protected areas because whilst they've got protection in the name, um, they're not protected in the way that we need to see. Okay, can you tell me a little bit more about that? What what specifically are we calling for? What kind of protections are you referring to there? We'd like to see, as a, as a minimum really, the bottom trawling being stopped and other damaging fishing practices within marine protected areas. Okay. Because whilst those practices are still happening, marine protected areas aren't delivering for marine wildlife. Mm-hmm. Another big thing, and, and which is really relevant to Cornwall, is to bring back beavers. Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah, this is not just because they're fun to go and look at and they're a ridiculous big rodent that we've, we've got back and they're really interesting. This is about what they do. Mm-hmm. And we've had beaver projects now in Cornwall. We've been involved in one at the Trust for over six years at Woodland Valley Farm. These animals build and they create new habitat and they add diversity to wetland habitats. They can keep rivers flowing in dry spells. They can prevent, um, help prevent flooding in periods of heavy rainfall. The dams trap silt so you can hold back pollution. And at the same time, they're creating all this wildlife habitat. It's extraordinary what they're doing. Um, they're working 365 days a year on the night shift. Um, why would we not welcome these animals back with open arms? Um, and we're trying to get a wild release license on one of our nature reserves, um, but government isn't even open to accept licenses yet. Right. Here, we don't think there'll be that many issues and conflicts because um, we're just well suited for them. So let's get on with it. Right. So all of those things, bringing back the beavers, uh, making more space for nature, protecting those those marine areas, that's all part of the first ask, the umbrella to sort of bringing back wildlife. Yes. What about the, the next ask, which is, is to do with tackling river and sea pollution? What, what things need to happen in this area? Yes, yeah, so this has had a lot of attention, hasn't it, the last few years, which is great. They're, they're not new issues, but everybody's realising what's going on and wants to see change. Um, we'd like to see nutrient pollution halving by 2030. Um, and unlike a lot of these things, we know how to do it. It just needs the investment and the policy backing. Um, so this is the issues we're seeing with sewage and there's lots of planning happening with water companies. So hopefully that will all um, do what they're saying it will. But it's up to government to make sure of that. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of issues with, with farming, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but enforcing the laws we've already got is a big part of this. And we need to put the money back into our regulators like the Environment Agency and make sure that those that are polluting um, are held to account. So tell me more about that, enforcing the laws we've already got. So am I right? You know, everything's there in legislation already. 
it's actually just not being policed. Yeah, and it's that's it, and it's the monitoring. So environment agencies' budgets were slashed a, f- a few years ago, and then the the amount of monitoring of water um, water quality went right down. If if we've not got people out there taking the samples and analysing them and seeing what's happening, we can't trace where that c- pollution is coming from, and then we can't tackle it either by incentivising or by um, taking other routes of prosecution where necessary. So we've got to have the, the law enforced. Okay. So that's that's ask two. Um, ask three is about calling for nature-friendly farming funding to be increased. Can you first of all tell you, why is that so important? Yeah, and I do appreciate there's lots of overlaps between mm. these, but um, we know that where we work with farmers together, and we're, we're doing that a lot as the Wildlife Trust, um, where we pool expertise, you can get real win-win outcomes for, for nature. Um, so with the ad- right advice, um, farmers can reduce their inputs of, um, of pesticides and, and fertilisers. There's new techniques, um, not so new now actually, but this just not been taken on as mainstream, like um, switching from ryegrass pastures to much more diverse mixes with, with flowers in that root at different levels. We can we can grow grasslands in a way that are better. It's better for wildlife, but also they can resist drought and flooding. So there's, we've got pockets of really good practice where conservationists and farmers are working together. What we need is that to be widespread, and we're only going to do that with more investment. Okay, that is the key because farmers need the incentives through the various agri environment schemes, but they also need good independent advice and when you get that together with a willing landowner and most farmers are up for this there's growing interest in them um, farming in more regenerative ways so we've got a formula that works if we put more money into it we'll get better results and will that make a, a big impact will it you know changing farming practices how much of a difference can that make it could make a huge difference because of the expanse of farmland. So obviously we've got to look after our nature reserves and our, our really wildlife rich areas, but need, they need to be sat in this background of more regenerative farming. So if we can get do a few of these smaller changes over big areas of productive farmland, then we can make a big difference because then more wildlife can be supported on that land. There'll be reduce pollution flowing off that land um, so we, we, can't, we, we know how to do it we just need to do more of it and quickly okay that asks uh, one to three let's move on to, to number four now which is to do with the the climate emergency i'm sure lots of our listeners will be very concerned about that what, what's cornwall wildlife trust calling for here so uh, we've got obviously got quite a focus on nature and how that's impacted by climate, but we can't talk about climate without talking about emission reduction. It, it's not uh, front and centre for a wildlife trust, um, but it's if to not talk about it would just seem daft. So front and centre is emission reduction. The clearest way to do that is to upgrade energy efficiency for homes because you get a big bang for your buck for doing that. So that is something we'd like to see. Um, and and we've got a lot of 
damp, damp and drafty properties down here in Cornwall, so that would seem an obvious one. To, and it reduces bills and mm. makes people's lives easier because their costs are reduced. So that seems like a, a straightforward one that we can ask the new government for. Um, the other thing is about adapting to climate change. Mm. I mean, it's a scary thing to talk about climate change, knowing what's happening. But we can take a bit of control of this and think, OK, these changes are coming. How are we going to adapt as, as humans, but also as, as nature? How can we help nature adapt so that they can cope with the changes that are coming? And this is something that is not done enough yet anywhere in the country. So... We're, we need to do this on our own nature reserves. What can we put in place to help them withstand drought? Mm -hmm. How can we stop um, so many wildfires in future? And we're starting this with some of the work we're doing with farmers down in Penwith. We're going to be working with the fire service on a landscape scale um, wildfire um, mitigation plan. So how, how can we try and stop wildfires happening? And if they do, can we work with the, the fire service so that they can tackle them um, most efficiently so there are things and then it makes you feel a little bit less worried about the whole situation if we're if we're starting to um, plan ahead putting things in place to uh, um, try and take a bit of back control yeah yeah exactly let's we know it's coming let's prepare for it yeah but we need government to really help that along because it's everyone's behind yeah. on this finally then um we're asking for the enabling of healthy communities um, and for people to have access to nature. What, what things do we want to see here? Yeah, we're, we're doing a lot more work in local communities and trying to connect people to nature. And they really desperately need good quality, nature-rich spaces close to where they live. Um, it's great for people's health and well-being. We've, we've got quite a lot of green social prescribing going on in Cornwall now where um, people can go to their GP and instead of getting a prescription of, of medicines, they can get prescribed some kind of outdoor activity. Um, so there's growing interest in this um, and the NHS has got has got money now to, to start doing more. But what we need is now the money being given out into communities to provide those services. It's a no-brainer. Let's get people out enjoying nature and the, there's so many health benefits that flow from that. So again, it's just a case of pumping the money in. But there should be savings to the NHS then as a result yeah. in future because of um, a preventative way of, so that these people's health gets better, not worse. So good quality, natural, nature-rich spaces close to where they live and investing into these nature-based health services. Great. So those are our five key asks. What what are we doing then to um, get people involved? Because obviously Cornwall Wildlife Trust have, have developed those asks um, in relationship with the, the Umbrella Wildlife Trusts. But what, what are we doing about it? How are we encouraging people in Cornwall to, to stand up and show politicians how much they care? Yes, we want to make a big noise about this in Cornwall. And, we're, and I've only got six constituencies, but we're really going for it. <laughs> so we, we're, we're putting our five asks into an open letter and we will be trying to get everybody we can to sign that letter. Let's get that number as high as possible. We don't even... We hardly dare think how many people we could get. I mean, we're just saying thousands, but let's see. Let's get Cornwall behind this and, and get that letter signed. Right. Um, so we could 
that would be individuals and then people can then encourage their friends and family and, and spread the word. And we're going to put the link to that letter in the show notes as well. Great. Um, and that's all we're asking. We're not asking any money from people or for them to do anything complicated. It's just a click. It takes about five seconds. Um, we're also holding hustings. So these panel events where we're getting parliamentary candidates in each constituency are being invited to an event where members of the public can ask questions of them. So if people can support those, come and see their candidates for their area in the flesh and see what they're made of and see what um, policies, their own nature and climate policies are and, and, and judge them in person. Great. Um, also, candidates will be no doubt knocking on people's doors and coming to see them. So we'd like people to quiz their candidates about nature and climate and we're producing a little postcard that's going out with our magazine um that would be useful prompt for people so right. let's ask the candidates about their policies yeah. and for anyone who's not a member you can find those questions also on our website that you might want to use to to ask candidates cheryl i'm, I'm gonna give you a difficult question as we as we draw this chat to a close um you know, we're in February now, looking ahead to a general election. Hopefully, in the autumn, from our point of view, because we want to do all these hustings. Maybe in May. How hopeful are you feeling now, as as we look ahead to that, and you you think about all the work that lies ahead of us, trying to bring this onto the agenda? What are you what are you feeling like? I I am optimistic that we are going to raise. Um, nature and climate up the agenda I, I think we're, we're riding on this tide of concern that people have had for particularly recently with pollution a few years ago it was um, the plastic issue so I think I think there's growing concern from um, the population in Cornwall about these issues so so I think we're starting in a good place and we can get politicians to take this more seriously it's got to be more of an issue than it was in 2019 whether it will get as high as we want to it to be we'll see but i am i am hopeful that we can um work people up into a bit of a nature and climate frenzy yeah. um i certainly hope so because we're putting a lot of energy into yeah it. absolutely and you're you know busy um, trying to engage with the the parliamentary candidates getting this open letter out there and, and organise these hustings so we've had a good response so far mm. so that's probably the test of it isn't it yeah. um that the candidates seem interested i'm also having yeah one-to-one policy discussions with candidates and, and there's been good take up for that um so they clearly think it's important um hopefully they feel it's important personally to them but they also can see that it's important to their constituents so either way um hopefully they'll be taking it more seriously well with all of that we wish you the very best of luck and we look forward to hearing how it all goes thank you thanks tom if you'd like to find out more about our work to raise our voices at the next general election then please head over to our website you'll find the open letter to sign details of all the hustings and ways in which you can get even more involved thanks for listening